0: Night Dog walking you to the ballot box. It is 17 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Out for public comment right now is the Basic Education Laws Amendment Bill. Look, uh, I, I usually, well, you know, when a bill goes out for amendment, there's one big issue that is being resolved, or that at least that, that we attempt to resolve. This is by far the most busy bill I've ever read in a very long time. This bill, and I'm not kidding, this bill is attempting to fix, correct, and update over 20 pieces of law in the in the act. And it, it it's extensive. And given just how extensive it is, it ostensibly, in one way or the other, affects you as someone who has a child in school, in basic education, or somebody that perhaps will have a child in basic education, especially in the South African public schooling sector. So we're going to try and comb through as much of it as we possibly can in this conversation. Joining me for this conversation is James Nglebe, who's the Chief Director for Planning, Monitoring, Support at the Department of Education. Uh, James, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Before we get into the minutiae of the bill and all the 150 things it's trying to do, What is the overarching attempt of this bill, given that the last time we had a serious conversation about basic education laws in this country is seemingly 1998?
1: Uh, Thank thank you, Oliver, and good evening to the listeners. Uh, Let me categorize it into maybe about five subheadings. It's Trying to deal with uh, what, what I'll call transformation issues which I want to label them as issues that impair access to education. Anything that impedes access to education will be one. Uh, It's time to resolve issues of lack of integration. Uh, It's bringing the culture of religious and cultural tolerance. It also looking at issues of human rights at school and and improve the effectiveness of school governing bodies. So the, 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 those are the five main things that I could categorize the Bella bill into.
0: Yeah, so let's then perhaps start bottom up there and let's speak about how it improves the framework and empowers school governing bodies. And then we'll speak about uh, integration and access and, you know, congruent to that religious and cultural tolerances. Um, Let's start there with SGBs. What powers do SGBs have now that this bill, uh, what powers do they have now that this bill takes into consideration? And what powers in addition to that will the bill give SGBs or in this bill take away from
1: SGBs? Okay, <laughs> let's talk about the, the powers that the SGB have, which do impede uh, access to education. Two main thing there, one of them is that they have the power to determine the language policy of a school, and they also determine um, the admission policy of a school. This is powers that currently they have and they have freedom of that power without any limitation if the sgb decides that this is the language that we want in this institution nobody can say anything about it yeah we 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 have attempted to deal with this and we have lost all the cases when we we go to the court of law because that's how the current south african schools act has been designed to give powers to to, to SGPs. Now, how it affects or impedes uh, the process of allowing learners access to education is that it is sometimes being misused. Misused in the sense that few people called school governing bodies might sit on their own and decide that this is roughly as an example, it's a Zulu school. Mm. and 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 nobody can do anything about it. But when you look at South Africa, the demographics of South Africa is changing. You do not have a, an area that you could regard as a white area, for example, or an Indian area or a colored area. The demographic have changed in such a way that people are beginning to interact and living in these areas. So you no longer have that type of a situation where children are bused or take taxis to a particular area to access school. We're talking about children that live in those areas now who are unable to access certain schools because the language policy of those schools will then decide who comes in and goes out. Can you- Special issue, but, but, but I want to give you a practical example that even if you look at how our townships have been designed, if, if you happen to live somewhere in Zola and you are a vendor speaking person, as an example, chances of you accessing schools around Zola and then are very slim. Even now, there might have been a lot of vendor families that live in there. Yeah. You have to travel to Shawale in order to access school because the SGBs will decide that, yeah, we, we only have cater for TOSAs and Zulus. I'm just giving these rough yeah. examples. So so, so so
0: so so is the bill taking away that power from SGBs or is it giving more of that power to SGBs? I don't understand.
1: The, the, the bill is minimizing the power in this sense that it's saying, let the sgbs continue to develop these language policies working with communities and so on and should there be a need for an intervention for an for 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 an sgb that is probably misusing or abusing that power then the head of department the provincial head of department needs to be given the authority to intervene And he has to have a final say. So it's removing, it's reducing that power, which was a vital power for the LCT. Sure, but then goes and gives steps on what the hod needs to do. Okay, so
0: I want to pause there. I want, I want to pause there because I want us to, at some point ask ourselves if if there is not perhaps an intergovernmental uh, intergovernmental dispute that a priori exists here uh, given what provincial uh, education authorities can and can't do regarding this but what i don't understand here is that you say Look, the problem is SGBs can't just govern for themselves based on what they think their demographic must be. It must be a lot more reflective because South Africa has changed. But we think they should continue to have that power. They just shouldn't abuse it. At what point do we determine if an SGB has abused it if they say by popular vote we have uh, chosen isiZulu as the medium of instruction here uh, versus not choosing, I don't know, Chivenda, for instance?
1: um if you look at an area like Tshwane, pretoria and you look at former modesty schools in particular in Tshwane, the majority of learners in most of the schools whether it's a former modesty school or it's a, it's a traditional african school are blacks that but, but when you go to those schools you'll find that the language policies of those schools would not allow you to introduce a language like SPEDI when there are too many Spadey learners in that institution.
0: Mm.
1: Now you have a situation where parents in those institutions will even come to the department and say, we are in majority, can you begin introducing this home language in that particular school? But then the SGB decides no. We we stand by our 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 decision that it, it's only this particular language that isn't there. So in that case, you have parents, you have numbers, you have people that are interested, and the introduction of that language is viable because there are numbers. This is when the education department needs to come in, and the steps that we put in the Bella bill are saying the HOD will then engage the SGB and say, look you need to introduce an additional language in this institution. Should the
0: bill then not go, go a step further, uh, further. Uh, James, <laughs> and, 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 and regularize how language policies are determined? Because if it comes down to numbers, effectively, as you pointed out, shouldn't an SGB on a two year cycle or never applicable just do a referendum in a community about the language policy of a school to to have a determination what the student body population looks like demographically um, and and, and whether or not there must be an adjustment. Because it seems to me that it happens ad hoc and discretionary and will always lead to a situation where the SGB and parents may be at loggerheads. And that can be prevented if you just regularize this thing and say, every two years we think you guys must do a referendum uh, and please submit to the provincial... uh, Uh, authority the result of the referendum and so your language policy will then be adjusted for
1: you know talking the language of the bill, that it is the communities in there you call it a referendum and and we're saying a language policy cannot be static it has to move along with the times and be able to do that uh i I, I want to give you another serious uh, example that when you go to the borders of kzn and and the eastern cape um matatielum zimkulu area that that type of thing these people are so mixed in such a way that but you still find the kosa speaking people having to attend across the border and the zulu speaking people across the border but these people are neighbors what is impossible just to make a school to have two languages, Zulu yeah. and Kosa, And even across the board, Zulu and Kosa. So there has been these obstacles. And the obstacles are basically SGBs that, that, that do not budge, because they protect these these institutions. Yeah. But, but, but to give you further uh, reasons why we, we want to do this, it's, we really are serious about mother tongue teaching. I mean, all researches are indicating that uh, our languages are not taken seriously, but our children learn better when you you teach them in mother tongue for a long period of time, rather than just getting into into English at a very early age.
0: Mm. Mm. So the
1: introduction of mother tongue is important, to, it preserves cultures and all that. So it, it can be that Oliver, when you are sitting in a mall or in a restaurant, and as, as a parent, you're talking to your wife and you use your African language, but when you turn to your children, you change the language into <laughs> another foreign language. It can't be.
0: Yeah, look, uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious about what the language about... policy in Aliwal North will reflect. But to this...
1: Um, and... I, I, I can give you an example. If it is Aliwal North, it, it's predominantly closer. And and it it will also have an element of those who want to do English and there'll also be Africans. I don't so know. I don't know I, if
0: you're familiar with the vernacular of Aliwal North, but it sounds like everything and nothing all at once. Uh, it's, it's 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 truly the melting pot of South Africa. Uh, can you juxtapose uh, so this? Like can you juxtapose yeah. this for me, James, to the powers that yeah. HODs and MECs have? Here? And I want to use the Gauteng case as an example here. In Gauteng, it was the MEC that said the admissions and distribution of admission policy uh, uh, in, in in Gauteng. And I specifically use distribution of admission policy here because it is not to the school, at least in grade eight and in grade one, it is not to a school that you apply. It is to a central database that you apply and, and, and the database uh, uh, centrally uh, controlled by the Department of Education in Gauteng will then place you in a school that they think is geographically fit for you, of uh, geographically and linguistically fit for you. There, it seems to me that an SGB doesn't have any of the powers that you speak about here. It's completely usurped by the MEC or the Provincial uh, Education Department there. Uh, what distinction does the bill draw there?
1: No, 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 not correct, Oliver. Um, that, that's a Houghton process. And, and I think the Western Cape also follows that type of a process. They, they still adhere to the language policies of those schools. So it's an African school somewhere in the VAL. And when the admission process opens and you are an English-speaking person and you want to do language in English and all that, that system will not place you in that school because the language policy of that school, it's Africans, for example. So that, that, that system will place you where the language policy fits what you are applying for. So it, it, it has nothing to do with the language policy. Yeah. It, it, and, and at the same time, it, it, it also looks at the admissions policy in a way of of, of particular institutions. Because here in Khao it will be grade one and grade two, I mean grade eight. Yeah. But what happens to the middle grades? Yeah. schools still do as they please according to their own admission policies. Maybe I need to go
0: I, 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 we, 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 admission
1: we, Yeah, admission we, policies.
0: We're a little bit yeah, thin on time time, and I, and I do think that that, that uh, the purpose of the conversation is to encourage listeners to actually go and read the bill to submit their public mm. commentary to parliament mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's one last mm-hmm. thing I want to touch on here which which I think is, is, is very sensitive and I hope that in the last minute that we have that you can give us a sense of what is being corrected here. The bill seeks to make grade R education compulsory. It's no longer considered oh, yeah. just as part of an ECD program. It's now considered as part of the formal schooling structure and program. That is to say that if your five-year-old child is not in a grade R program, that you effectively as a parent are breaking the law. Um, I can imagine that the minute this goes into gets signed into law, that you are criminalizing Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of parents across the country who in impoverished South Africa do not have access to a grade R program. And many schools still don't have that facility uh, uh, just yet. They are still asking for their various departments to make resources available so that they can have grade R intakes as well. Uh, uh, There must be a worry about the the effect of this.
1: Um, Basic rights to education, it's enshrined in our constitution. And there is um, what you call a compulsory school-going age, that by a certain age, you must receive that basic education. Now, when we introduce grade R, it doesn't mean that every parent in in, in the Republic will then be subjected to penalties and all that. That penalty refers to parents who deliberately Keep their children at home and refuse to allow them to attend the school. It happens sometimes when children are physically disabled, locked up in in their houses. It happens when children of school going age are standing in traffic lights begging with their parents and are not attending any school. and And it is a way of ensuring that children do receive this basic education that the constitution demands of them obviously if there is a parent somewhere in a rural area who through other challenges that they are facing are unable to take their school their children to school it is the responsibility of government to ensure that they provide the necessary means it's either transportation it's either yeah. nutrition yeah. and all such things that will ensure that children are at school. But yeah. remember, there the are where people will definitely keep children at home for reasons known to themselves. It, the law is about those who deliberately prevent children from accessing education.
0: Yeah. James, we're going to have to leave it yeah. there. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, look, go onto the parliamentary website if you would like to know when parliament will perhaps, I don't know, visit your area so that you can participate in the public hearings. Or you can submit through post or an email your commentary on the bill to the Portfolio Committee for consideration as the bill is currently before the National Assembly. That was James and Leber, James who's the Chief Director for Planning and Monitoring Support at the Department of Education.